Anchit Nayar is the CEO of Nike.com, one of India's leading beauty retailers pioneering the future of e-commerce in South Asia. For more on how he has spearheaded the company's strategy to success, keep on listening. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty band founders and creatives around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Anchit Naya. He is the CEO of Nike.com, India's biggest destination for beauty and wellness. Anchit, alongside his mother Falguni, Nike's founder, and his twin sister Advaita, are pioneering the beauty, beauty and fashion retail landscape. From expanding their physical stores across South Asia to triple-digit revenue growth during the pandemic, it just goes to show Anchit's incredible work ethic and diligence and true passion for entrepreneurship. I'm so excited to sit down with him today and dive into it all. So, Anche, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Akash, for having me. So, Anche, I asked all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you. It's, I'm, I'm curious to see how you're going to answer it because some people really struggle. Some people have that perfect, like, copy and paste answer. So, let's see with you. Who, in a nutshell, is Anchit? Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah, so I didn't uh, this uh, I didn't see this in the list of questions. So obviously, I've not had a chance to prepare, so this will really be off the cuff. Love it. Uh, it I feel like I'm on a you know like one of those uh, dating apps or dating exactly apps. <laughs> like your bio. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. Perfect. So, so I think uh, look, if I had to say who Wanchit is, I would say I'm someone who is um, you know pretty. Uh, pretty easygoing, relaxed, but yet still pretty, um, you know, committed and diligent about certain things. Um, obviously my work, which is my life, 
uh, and obviously very uh, passionate about that, but also my family. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, pretty relaxed and uh, enjoy my enjoy my sports, enjoy my enjoy good food. So, yeah, I think pretty basic. Right. I think that's <laughs> everyone is pretty similar. in that sense. I feel I can connect with that a lot. I think what you said is would pretty much be my my who is Akash. So I think I'm really excited for this conversation because we'll have a lot of synergies um, in both what we're doing and our kind of, I guess, our priorities and passions in life. So I would like to go a bit to the beginning. Um, if you could like, you know, to our listeners, explain a little bit about your upbringing, uh, where, you, you know, you're born, I guess, in India and you, you went to study in Colombia. Could you tell us all more about that journey? Yeah, sure. So I was born in India um, and um, actually moved around a lot when I was young. Uh, my my dad was actually with uh, Citibank for most of his career, so moved first to London when we were about four years old, and then New York at the age of seven, uh, and then moved back to India at eleven, and then back to the U.S. for college at eighteen. So I think quite a bit of uh, moving around as kids that was fantastic because we now have friends, uh, you know, across the world, and we've had to learn how to meet and uh, you know how to always be the new kids in the class and I think that teaches you a lot so that I think that stood us in good stead both me and my twin sister uh, and that was quite a, a, a experience that really helped shape us then in, then in uh, when I was 18 uh, went off to college in the U.S. Columbia in New York uh, spent about four years there studied liberal arts the usual you know uh, loved history and economics and literature and things like that so I studied I loved, loved my four years there and yeah so that's um, you know that's kind of uh, what I did and then did the usual you know for a lot of Columbia kids uh, being in New York City and at the time 2012 I think finance was really the the logical next step for most uh, most kids who went to Columbia and I also came from a finance family both my parents uh, are were bankers uh, you know, I said my dad was with Citi. My mother used to be with an Indian investment bank called Kotak. So I think I grew up in that environment. So decided to actually join Morgan Stanley out of college uh, and spent almost seven years there. Did lots of different things. Uh, spent about some time in the investment banking division doing uh, media and telecom banking. Spent some time in capital markets doing uh, high yield, uh, you know, cap, high yield. And then spent some time in equities doing sales. So I really got, got a fantastic experience there for about seven years. That's amazing. I mean, I do want to touch a bit about, you, you mentioned, you know, having some experience in, or life experience, I would say, in, in London and in New York at a very early age. What was that like um, initially? Because moving around can be quite, there can be pros and cons, you know, necessarily with school friends, et cetera, you know changing schools, but also getting to learn a lot and especially about different cultures can really enrich you. So what were some of your key takeaways from those early, early days? Yeah, I think every time that we had to move, it was always difficult, especially as young children, you know, to pick up and move and leave your friends and your school and things you're familiar with. But uh, as I said, I think the biggest learning is you learn to be uncomfortable uh, and you learn to have to adapt and, uh, and I think those are important in life. You know, I think um, change is really the new normal. And that's how we felt as kids. So we got used to it. And it helped us to become uh, pretty independent and, um, you know, good at, uh, you know, meeting people and being able to have conversations. And, of course, there's the whole aspect of living and, and, and um, living in different societies and different cultures. 
which also helped expand our understanding and I think made us, you know, what we like to say, like almost like citizens of the world. Because all those cities and countries are so different, you know, India, the UK and the US, especially back in early 2000s and late 1990s. So it was a great experience for us. Amazing. No, I love that. It's so important to remind ourselves that sometimes we can run away from that change or if it makes us uncomfortable, it can. But actually, if you change your mindset to learn how it can empower you and that it's okay and how to deal with it better. It's very, very, I think, I think it's crucial for this world we live in. I mean, look, the pandemic gets taught us <laughs> even things we cannot control and universally we all face those that are geared up to you know, deal with the change. I think are the ones that will have a lot more of an advantage going forward. So I think it's good that you do that from a very young age. But I would love also to discuss a little bit about what it was like growing up with, you know, twin sister. I have a sister and obviously now my business partner, similar to you. Um, were you always like best friends? Are you, did you guys fight a lot growing up? Just as a, as a sibling, I'm curious. Yes, yeah, so actually my sister, Veta and I are, have always been very close. I think when, when, you know, when both parents are working uh, in, you know, working long hours, uh, we really relied on each other. And so we became very, very close at a very young age. Uh, and we're twins, so, you know, same age, same interests. Uh, we were both very into certain sports. Uh, so, and we had similar friends. So I think, yeah, we've been very close since childhood. And we've remained close, which is very important, especially now because we work together. Um, but yeah, look, I think you, you do tend to fight with your best friend also the most. So my sister and I do fight a lot. Uh, we used to fight more as kids. Now it's much less. Yeah. Um, and she's also married. She lives yeah. in, a, in a different city. So, you know, we realize that time together is, is very precious. So now we're much better. But obviously, as kids, there was quite a bit of fighting. But also, she is and always has been, you know, my best friend. So uh, I, Again, same with me and my sisters. So I completely relate. And I think if you didn't have those little moments, and still today, you know, then you, if you're not that, you know, if you didn't have those moments of fighting a bit, are you really that close? I think that's when you just let your guards down. You just be yourself with each other because you know you'll always overcome it. And it's just, it's a healthy, it's a healthy back and forth. So I completely uh, relate. But um, kind of now, before we go into, you know, your role in Nike, I would love for you to set the scene a little bit about how Nike was created by your mother, by Falguni, um, if you are able to share. Yeah, sure. So she, uh, as I mentioned, she spent about 20 years uh, as an investment banker, mostly handling uh, large equity deals, so IPOs, etc. in India. Um, and so she used to work with a lot of entrepreneurs and help them take their companies public. And I think it was through that experience that she developed a real appreciation for what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And she would always say that, you know, no one, you know, it, these people started businesses that People did not really believe in and uh, they, they, you know, they worked against, they fought against the odds to get their companies to the place uh, where they are today. And she always cites certain examples of, you know, she worked on some IPOs and those companies today have become, you know, real titans of industry in the country. But, you know, they had very humble beginnings. Um, so, she, so she had a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, my sister and I went off to college in 08 and um, she said that before she turned 50, she did want to try her hand at entrepreneurship. So I think literally on her 49th, like halfway through her 49th birthday or something, you know, between that year, she decided to quit her job uh, at Kotak Investment Bank and, um, and start her own business. 
in terms of why why beauty multi brand retailer it was pretty practical i i don't think you know shobha says that uh, when she started the business she didn't know she didn't come from a retail background nor a tech background nor a beauty background and yet she started a multi brand consumer technology company that specializes in beauty you know so it was um not at all uh, the world that she came from but she identified it as a great opportunity because if you rewind back to 2012 13 in india there was uh, the likes of mintra and flipkart and amazon which had just started to do business in a meaningful way in the country and so she she realized that e-commerce was going to be a big trend in india just given the challenges of the you know the geography of the country the demographics etc and so she saw an opportunity to build an e-commerce business and when it came to um, a category to specialize in she realized that things like fashion and electronics were highly competitive and there was lots of uh, you know deep pocketed players whether it's amazon or flipkart in the space so uh, and she had seen how successful the likes of ulta and sephora had been in the us she was a personal uh, shopper at those at uh, those uh, chains and so she thought you know how can i recreate that online in india the reason for going online first is as i said e-commerce was taking off it's also a very asset light way to build a business and scale a business so that's kind of how it came together so she launched in 2013 she started the app uh, you know she built the app uh, i mean she had a team who helped build the app in 2013 and since then it's uh, you know it's been no looking back for her and a lot of people especially you know me being based in between london and new york mainly um a lot of my a lot of my south asian friends they they know nike inside out a lot of my non south asian friends they're starting to know more about it because of the global expansion and you know now finally india is really put on the map where people are really taking it a lot more um, i i don't want to say this but you know they they they're a lot more interested in india now which is finally the time a lot of people still on my friends don't know nike so could you in in a nutshell explain what nike is today both in the fashion beauty dot com retail landscape so i think uh, firstly i totally agree with you that it's it really is india's time and we you know we are strong believers in the india consumption story and you know i think uh, over the past 10 years you know we have seen it right we've seen the way india has focused back on itself i think your own brand feeble and made is a great example of taking the best that india has to offer globally it's such an ancient culture and there's so many amazing aspects to our country that uh, it's it's really time that the world appreciate it so i think that's that's the good news and that's why we've seen success of uh, of brands like yours but also others uh, in different uh, sectors and uh, india we believe is really leading the way when it comes to uh, you know tech innovation uh, and even disruption i think uh, you know we are a very digitally savvy country it's 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 you know it's quite a quite a paradox given you know the size of the country and but yet some of the best uh, tech startups i think are being uh, are being are uh, coming to life in india so i think it's a real testament to to the indian uh, startup ecosystem and also the the support that the ecosystem has gotten from the government and you know so there's a big focus on this digital india and make in india so it's uh, you know i think we're lucky we're beneficiaries of that now with regards to what is nike i would say nike at its core is really a consumer technology company that uh, specializes in in basically retailing lifestyle categories we started as a beauty company uh, so being a multi brand retailer for 
you know, over 2,000 brands, uh, both global and domestic. So we sell everything from Dior and Estee Lauder uh, to the likes of Lacme and Biotique, which are more uh, affordable brands, you know, so everything from luxury to affordable beauty. Because we think that India is is a country that where you do need to serve both ends of the spectrum. Um, so, and, you know, we've managed to do both very well, you know, so we are a very large retailer for both the luxury brands and also the mass brands. Uh, mass is the wrong word, but affordable beauty brands. Uh, and seeing, and you know, we decided to focus, we decided to be specialists because we think beauty is a category where it cannot be treated as any other uh, category, consumer category like uh, grocery or electronics. It has to be, the art of retailing is very important in beauty. So we focus a lot on that and we specialize in this one particular category. And a couple of years into our journey, we decided to take our learnings in the beauty space and uh, apply it to fashion. And so today we're also a large uh, retailer in the fashion space, online retailer in the fashion space. So, yeah, I think the best way to describe Nike is a consumer tech, uh, you know, uh, tech first um, with lifestyle uh, company. And we have our own brands as well. Uh, we've got a house of brands, you know, because we, we really admire uh, some of the big uh, consumer companies in our space itself, right? Whether it's L'Oreal or Estee Lauder or even Unilever, they've built such fantastic businesses, and we are uh, truly uh, we admire their businesses and would love to, you know, one day also create uh, real companies of value like theirs. Hundred percent, and I think it's really important, as you know, when you think about. A lot of people have, especially in the Western world, you have certain retailers or, that are specifically for specific groups of people. Um, so you have, uh, like, say, Target, Walmart for X kind of beauty products, and you have the Sephora, Ulta for the Y kind of beauty products. But what I love about what Nike has done is the consumer, you want to, A, you know, hit all the consumers, but also consumers are quite... Um, much more open than we think. Like I, for example, am someone who buys the Dior's, but I also buy the Olay, the Nivea's, and the, you know, and the more Mastige or Mass. Um, so I love the fact that Nike is that all-in-one inclusive destination for both beauty and fashion. And I think that is the future of the industry. So I'm excited to see where Nike globally goes because I do believe that this isn't something that's just needed just in India. It's needed all around the world. And is that something that you guys are thinking about very closely as well as how to bring Nike, you know, out of South Asia into the world? So first, let me just say, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, the numbers and the data shows that uh, consumers are very willing to, uh, one is try new products and different brands, but also they're not so conscious about, Oh, I, I can only shop luxury brands or, you know, uh, so, so, you know, they, they, the thing is, I think what's happened is online, you know, buying online has, has given customers access to thousands of brands that otherwise were not available uh, in the, you know, pre e-commerce days. And so consumers now also have awareness on which brands are good for what and different brands are good for different things. So the, the baskets are very mixed and you're absolutely right. Right. If Olay has a good, uh, you know, day cream or a good moisturizer or Neutrogena has a good sunscreen, but, you know, Dior leads the way when it comes to fragrance uh, or MAC on a lipstick. Like people, will, you will see a very masked uh, basket. And so we said when we built the platform, we said, let's do consumer backwards. Let us not try to impose our, let us not try to impose our preconceived notion on the consumer. Let them decide. And I think that's played out well. Um, so I, I agree with you on that. Totally. Definitely. And then, and then for the global side, do you feel like 
do you feel like there's a big need for for this kind of retail landscape platform within the other markets? So firstly, I think India is such a massive opportunity and it's just kicking off. I mean, we look at the numbers, we've done a lot of work with, um, you know, some different consultants and obviously internally, you know, we have a lot of information and, you know, we realize that the total addressable beauty market in India is relatively, it's decently sized. It's about $20 billion in size. But the per capita consumption is so low um, because obviously as a country of a billion and a half people, the per capita consumption is hardly 14 or 15 US dollars annually. So uh, and if I look at the US, it's like 500. And if I look at China, it's probably about 85 to 100 dollars, right? So there's a long way for us to go. Uh, so we are strong believers in the India story and we're committed to being the biggest uh, and being the uh, most trusted, most loved um, you know, beauty destination in the country. So that, you know, the, the opportunity is large enough here. But that being said, of course, I think there are lots of markets where we see an opportunity to create something similar to what we've managed to do in India. And there are also certain countries where the consumer is relatively similar. So I think uh, it's possible, right? I mean, uh, all companies think about, you know, international expansion. And I think if the, if and when the time is right, possibly we could look to do something. But we also believe strongly that India is a, it's a big enough market to keep us busy for many, many years. Yeah. No, I fully agree. And I think that you said that so perfectly because it's it's about still, you know, everything comes at the right time and timing is so crucial when it comes to these things, but also not losing focus. The focus still is India, there's still so much opportunity and more brands to bring to Nike, more network to create. And I love the fact that you guys are really focused on that consumer, you know, backwards, consumer first approach, because you're going to govern every, all your decisions at the, at the end of the day through your consumers, right? And their ever-changing needs. And um, one thing I know you guys have, which I really, really love, and I'd love for you to explain a bit more about, is the Nike network and the fact that you are, you know, really creating your own, I would even say social media, like kind of platform within your own universe of .com. So can you tell us more about Nike Network? Yeah, so we have now, I think, almost 10 million plus followers across our various social media handles, which is actually quite a bit for a retailer. You know, mostly uh, in India, at least, that kind of social media following is reserved for celebrities and cricketers. Um, but we focused on social media and digital marketing since day one. You know, so we've, we've, we've done it for about eight years now. So we think we're pretty, we've become pretty good at it. And uh, we think that social media is a very powerful channel through which to influence uh, and to educate consumers. So we focused on that heavily. And um, that's why we've got the kind of influence that we do now. Uh, and Nikon Network is part of this whole content play. I think from day one, we realized that we didn't want to be a retailer who, who won on price. You know, we don't fund discounts out of our own pocket. We are not in the we're not in the business of losing money. We're in the business of building a sustainable company that does right by the consumer, that does right by uh, our brand partners, and also does right by uh, our, ourselves, you know, and uh, builds a company for our shareholders and our employees that they can be proud of and that is going to survive the test of time. So we knew we can never rely on price. We didn't want to do that kind of, you know, we don't want to do liquidation and discounting and funding, uh, all these price slashes, because that's not the right way to build brands, especially in beauty. 
So we had to rely on content and say, you know, we're going to build the market through education and awareness. Uh, and for that, we relied heavily on Nike Network being one of the tools we have in our arsenal, in our content arsenal. And what it is, is it's basically a forum for our consumers to interact with one another. And uh, ask, you know, there's so this, you know, beauty is such a complex um, uh, industry and there's just such massive brand proliferation and SKU, uh, SKU proliferation that uh, consumers need to be guided and they need to be helped and advised. And so Nike Network is just a, it's just a platform for them to advise each other, you know, for consumers to advise one another. It's almost like a P2P, you know, peer-to-peer network. And we saw great traction. Uh, and so it's just one of the tools we have. I think the other big tool that we've been leveraging recently has been Watch and Buy. So all the content that we create on Instagram and other social media platforms, as well as YouTube, all that content now lives on our own app. And it's totally uh, searchable. And uh, it's a big driver because all those, all that content also has a feature whereby you can actually add to cart you know, whatever SKU was shown in the video. So I'm getting a little technical, but the point is we're strong believers in video commerce, social commerce, live streaming, and we're trying to, you know, use it to build a community that is engaged and is learning and is benefiting. You know, we want to be a platform where consumers can learn and they can educate themselves because we think beauty, we think Nika's job is to be the great enabler, right? And to empower the consumers to make the right choice for themselves. And that's that's how we use content. And Nika Network is part of that, yeah. I love that. And I love the fact that you're making it easy for your consumers and, and your, your, your network, your community, because often when, when, it, when everything you're saying is the future, you know, quick, easy education, easy access to buy, um, you know, live streaming, all this stuff. Unfortunately, especially here in UK, US, we have to use seven different apps as a brand, number one, right? I have to go on for live shopping. I have like six, seven different players, but they're all not connected. And then my consumer needs to download a separate app and then this and that, and it gets very complicated. And we're not even clear if the messaging is consistent or cohesive, but I love the fact that you're enabling this as an enabler through Nike's own platform. And I think that is, again, the future. Um, and you guys are putting in the right kind of structures now, which will take time, will take investment, will take a lot of education. But I think going forward, that is going to pay off a lot more. And I'm curious to know, you know, by starting all this stuff um, and having, you know, now there's nearly 20, you know, 10 million and a lot of uh, network around your audiences and all the different touch points, did that heighten and grow a lot during the pandemic when everyone was going online and, you know, connecting via all these platforms? So we think uh, the pandemic definitely accelerated that shift from offline to online, but it was definitely something that had picked up. Um, it's been it's been a trend for a couple of years now, you know, even pre-pandemic. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But what the pandemic did is I think it brought a new segment of consumers online. Uh, people who had actually not... Uh, you know, I think Nike has always had a very young target demographic of, you know, people who are very savvy with technology, with social media. But in the pandemic, we saw consumers, first time consumers who were more used to shopping offline come online. So, yeah, clearly there was an acceleration in the business, but um, there was a there was an acceleration. But we believe that that trend had been coming for a long time. And we believe even post pandemic is going to continue just because of the sheer the convenience and the you know the incredible the incredibly powerful platform that we've built we think should uh keep this trend from being a you know from from really reversing to the to what it was pre-pandemic anytime soon definitely and you know with the data at the forefront of what nike is all about um a lot of people are talking about i mean you had the baby boomers gen x gen y gen z millennials and now we're hearing this like generation alpha which is like these born between 2010 and 2000 it's, it's kind of crazy right but we're already thinking about them as a market segment who are like 11 years old 12 years old but they're becoming really savvy they're thinking about their future they're consuming the content they're on social media um it will be daft for us not to think that they're not consuming our content that we're putting out, both as a brand, as a retail platform. So do you guys like um, segment everything in the sense of like you're looking at all the different archetypes and then how to basically cohesively match all? And are you thinking about like the new generation alpha, which are these like the next future, I guess? So yeah, we do do a lot of, see, we have consumers at all stages in the beauty journey. You have incredibly sophisticated consumers who, you know, who have eight or nine step skin routines, uh, you know, they shop with us, you know, 10 to 12 times a year, if not more, actually, you know, they're real enthusiasts uh, and they shop highly complex products. But then you've also got those who are, you know, running low on time, they're professionals, they just need to restock, they need to, they know what they like. They just, they're not in the, they're not looking for discovery. They're not looking to try and experiment. Uh, and then you've got consumers who are new to beauty. You know, they've never shopped. And by the way, it's not an age thing. You can be new to beauty at any age, right? You can be young. Exactly. You know, we have, we have consumers yeah. who are shopping basic, basic items like a kajal or even just a simple uh, face wash or a moisturizer. Uh, and they can be of any age. So you can you can be new to beauty. So there's different types of consumers, and we have different strategies and different ways to uh, to really serve those consumers based on where they are in their journey. That is a large part of how we do business. That's amazing, and, and, and thanks for sharing that because I think it's really important that people, yeah, no, it's not just an age, right? Ages 
definitely useful for a certain segmentation, but actually going granularly into the detail, you'd be surprised by anything because uh, today more than ever, I feel this whole um, like expectation of certain like ages will, will be of a certain purchasing power or certain uh, shopping behavior. It, it really can go out of the window now because uh, you, people are surprising us a lot. So that's why I think the most important thing is just staying close and listening to your audience to your customers and seeing how they're changing because um, everyone is always changing and we need to react and adapt to that um, to make sure we're serving them the best way. Um, but, but going a little bit into like you yourself, Anjit, um, I love, you know, one thing which you've done and I've done similar, I, I studied engineering for four years and then went into the beauty industry, um, mainly because my, my father was in the beauty industry. So it was, you know, definitely something I was, around from a young age, but still I had to make the conscious decision myself to move industry. A lot of my friends are in finance and and other industries and they're struggling to to find the courage or I I don't know what, maybe the the know-how, how how to switch industries. And you've done that in, in a in a way, of course, you've extrapolated certain learnings and using your your knowledge of finance and numbers and in your job today. But what was that like for you? Was it um, like what would you advise people who are thinking to make a career switch? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I'm sure you'll have a similar answer. But for me, it was um, I loved uh, I loved what I was doing. I really enjoyed investment banking, and um, and I and I really enjoyed working in Morgan Stanley. It's a great company with a great history and and great people. Very intelligent. Uh, learned a lot from them. Uh, so for me, it was a, not an easy decision to leave finance and into the world of not only a startup, but a startup in the beauty space, which, you know, for, you know, it, it does have, you know, in a way it is stereotypically, it's stereotyped as a very, you know, business for different uh, people. I mean, not, uh, for like a different audience, different, uh, definitely not people from the world of finance going into beauty every day. Exactly. It's, it's very rare today. Very rare. Yeah. Um, and uh, at, 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 and when I did decide to move back to join Nika, Nika wasn't at all a sure thing, right? I mean, it was still relatively a young startup. Um, we were, uh, you know, a fraction of the size that we are today. And um, a lot of people saw it as a risk that you're leaving what is a relatively cushy job in the sense that, you know, I work in a nice office building. I get to uh, travel uh, to, you know, London and you know, the great SF and, you know, other nice cities for work. And, you know, I wear a suit and, uh, you know, it's also all that, some of the things that you get attached to that is actually in the larger scheme of things, not very important, but you tend to develop, a, a, a you know, you get very used to it, very comfortable with it. And I knew if I came back and worked at Nike, I was actually going to run the physical retail business. And we were expanding our physical stores across the country, which meant lots of, travel to small towns in, in India and, you know, roughing it out in a way uh, and, are, you know, working in startup-like offices with much younger people, you know, not doing billion-dollar M&A deals, but, you know, trying to pitch to a brand to bring them on the platform or trying to go, to, you know, having to go to our warehouses to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, to help, ex- you know, help with whatever's happening in the warehouses, whatever's happening in our physical stores, meeting consumers in small towns. So, Totally different business. Um, um, so it was it was not easy to make that transition. 
but uh, I, I knew it's what I wanted to do. Finally, it was my, you know, I'm very close to my mother and uh, she had uh, put in a lot of effort to get it to where it was. And the company was going into a phase of its growth where it needed all hands on deck. And, you know, uh, the, and, uh, the physical retail business, which needed to be uh, aggressively built out and accelerated, was a, was a, actually also a physically intensive job. So I knew I, that's where I could really add value and I could be out there on the road doing it for her. So I did it. And yeah, when I, you know, when I first came, I remember, I always tell this story, but I was in Dubai for a meeting, I think week one of me joining, uh, I went to meet Huda, Huda Beauty team in Dubai. And I was sitting in, the, um, in their office and I was swatching lipsticks on my, on my forearm. And I said, this is such a, it's just, uh, it's such a different world, you know, from where we came from uh, in, in finance to what I'm doing now. Uh, and it took me some time to, you know, but I understood that I would have to become an expert in beauty and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever industry you're in, you need to be uh, absolutely uh, committed and passionate about. So I actually did spend a lot of time understanding the products that we were selling. And it's funny, I think I know more than 99.9% of all my friends, girls and guys included when it comes to, you know, uh, ultra matte and matte finish and different types of eyeshadow palettes and uh, FMDCs and serums and actives and niacinamides, you know, so it's funny, but, you know, you have to develop a passion and I did. And now I'm so grateful that I made the switch and didn't allow the small things to sway me and was also okay to go into a beauty, into an industry that was maybe not what most people do because the rewards have been fantastic. I mean, I've learned more and I would say the last almost five years of being with Nike than I had, you know, uh, in my previous career, which where I also learned a lot, but the ability to run a business and, and, you know, it's not just about the industry, but it's also about learning to deal with people, uh, learning to manage uh, PNL, deliver on, you know, budgets. It's just a fantastic experience. Now I, I go on stage sometimes and I speak about the the hair cycles and the anagen phase and and how to shampoo and I'm like wait, for for a couple of years ago I was coding with like seven different uh, languages and you know that was my life so but again you, you said a really good point you develop a passion for sure you have to have some curiosity in the industry at the beginning but no expectation to know all about it you learn on the journey and over time you'll be surprised as humans, like what we can develop in terms of passion and, and, um, you know, it's kind of hard to undo some of the lessons and, and I guess stereotypes we learned growing up and what we were surrounded by with what is a success, successful career, what is a, a good and a bad job and right industry for a guy and a girl. And now growing up, I think, you know, you realized, yeah, that's actually like, that's what we're trying to do is pave the way for many more people to realize Yes, it's great to be an engineer, lawyer, investment banker, but there is a lot of other amazing industries that you could have at your disposal that you could have a huge passion for. And also, if you're one of the first in the industries, you might actually be one of the leading ones because you'll be a differentiator, you'll be a disruptor, right? With a different mindset. So for me, for me, and I'm sure for you, you really are glad to have your your experience in, in IB and in finance because it gives you a whole different outlook in what you're doing today compared to many more wouldn't you agree yeah absolutely i mean it's uh, you i think you learn to think differently and uh, i do i do have a unique skill set that i bring to the table 
that is different from people who are just from the consumer retail background or from a beauty background. And uh, I've tried to learn. You know, I've tried. I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to learn everything I didn't know. There's still a tremendous amount that I don't know. And in fact, I work with a lot of very, uh, you know, people who are real, really enthusiastic and who are absolute experts. Uh, so I know the things I know and I know the things I don't know. So there I have a very strong team to help me as well. No, exactly. Uh, but, you know, before before we go into like some fire round questions, I would love to know sort of um, the pandemic has definitely shaped certain rituals and routines. And um, I'm not sure if you've had the similar rituals before the pandemic or now you've adopted some new ones. But today, you know, in 2022, what are some of your rituals for success that keep you grounded, motivated as a CEO? So I think I learned a lot from my parents um, who are strong believers in their their, their spiritual and, um, you know, there's a saying in the Bhagavad Gita, which is obviously the uh, sacred Hindu text that, um, you know, do your duty, do your job, but don't expect any, uh, don't ex- don't have expectation for return and for rewards. And so I think my parents always lived their life like that, which is just do what you're meant to do and, you know, don't worry about the outcomes in terms of don't expect, don't ever have expectation or attachment to things. So uh, that's something they've tried to inculcate in both my sister and I. And I think it has, it is, it has happened. So both of us don't keep any expectations, neither from, you know, that, uh, oh, we're working so hard, we should get a promotion or, you know, the company is doing well, so it should continue to do well. I think there's ups and downs in life. And uh, we will see it. Uh, we have seen it and we will continue to see it. And so will the company. So I think that's what probably just keeps us grounded in knowing that, you know, everything is slightly transitory. Like, yes, we are. It has been a good uh, time for Nike. And there will be ups and there will be downs. And it's inevitable. There's nothing you can do to stop that. So I think having that, keeping that in mind, you can, you tend to remain, we tend to remain even keel. Very important. I think I think definitely having a level-headed mindset is, is so crucial to just stay, yeah, level-headed and grounded because it can get really into your head sometimes. What, one question I have more just personally for me, um, I'm noticing a bit more is, um, and I know there's a whole argument to say to yourself, don't care what other people think, just, you know, be in your lane and go ahead. But sometimes easier said than done. I've noticed recently a lot of the times, you know, in, when you do something good and you're building something great, and let's say, you know, we're both CEOs of our respective companies. Sometimes I get a lot of, even close friends, whenever we go into a conversation, they'll end up saying something like, oh, but you know, it's easier for you, you know, your family, your family business, or your family has money. So, you know, but this is a real, what they're doing is a lot more, you know, different, a lot more harder working. And I'm like, I have to find myself sometimes <laughs> explaining, which I don't want to explain that, or why do I have to prove to someone my work ethic or, uh, yeah, like justify myself. Do you ever get moments where people can doubt your, your work ethic and your, what you're doing? Uh, yeah, look, I'm sure it happens. See, also for us, it's, um, I mean, just by way of background, I mean, you know, both my parents were, as I said, you know, they, they, uh, they were professionals, right? So they had jobs at companies for a majority of their professional life. So, uh, my mom is a relatively, my mother has started her business relatively later in age in terms of at a point in her life. So we didn't, we, my sister and I do not come from a background of having a family business 
Um, so yeah, people we know know that you know we we as a family have built this business. I mean, obviously, I mean we as a family, but I mean as a Nike family have built this business in the last decade. So it's not like a. Um, but yeah, for people who don't know the background, you know the fact that I spent uh, seven years working at Morgan Stanley in the U.S. and and I've done I we've done a lot of that, and that is also by the way incredibly challenging. Uh, being a professional, uh, working in a company or whatever you know, wherever you are, it's incredibly challenging. Uh, but that doesn't mean this is not. In fact, this has a different type of challenge. I always say, like you know, I might have been working longer hours in IB, but I'm definitely sleeping less now. You know, because there's a different type of stress, there's a different type of pressure. It's different, and so it's not really a competition. And my close friends know that, and we don't have those kind of discussions. But of course, there might be people there who look at me and say, you know, oh, like you have it so easy. Well, you know, my boss is so tough. Your boss is your mother. <laughs> So it is what it is, and I think I don't really uh, indulge those conversations. And I think you just kind of focus on doing what's right for you and what's right for your family. At least in my case, because I work for my fam- work for my mother. So that's very important. No, it's very very good advice as well. And, and I think again, it's it's try not to indulge in it, but also at the same time just focusing and going ahead because. As you grow any business and grow in the industry, there is going to be a lot of people that can question and can, yeah, not have the best intentions. It's about understanding who those are and trying to, yeah, not not give time to those people and instead just focus on the ones that do. And often, um, yeah, we can realize them very early on. So it's our choice, you know to keep them around or not. But yeah, the reason why I asked that is just because I'm noticing more and more as I'm building fables. Obviously it's like two years in the pandemic, but now it's out there. I'm noticing a few things. I'm like, okay, no, no, focus and remove any doubt because I'm on my own, my own lane, my own mission. Yeah. I, I can imagine yeah. it can't be easy yeah. because especially, I mean, you know, we've heard of fable and main a lot here in India, right? We listen to our consumers yeah. and it's, it's really taking off. So and it's in what's a relatively short span of time, right? Yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of people assume like my dad is super involved in it, but he isn't like, I mean, it's just me with my sister and we're doing it. Of course, my dad is my mentor and yeah. I call him whenever I need. But I think there's still a lot of assumption to say, oh, but yeah, you know, having your dad in Ford, it's where I think it's harder for us because he's been in the beauty industry for 40 years. So there's that connective assumption of like, oh, but he must have made everything happen for you. And it's like, no, we linked in message Sephora. It was us. Yeah. It was us doing it all. But having myself, having to find myself explaining that is where I'm getting a little bit like, oh, yeah. do I need to anymore? But yeah. But it, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, if people don't know, I, I always try to explain, but at the same time, not give too much time to it yeah. because I'm just going ahead. And that's all that matters. I would say it's a good, uh, it's a better problem to have than some other problems. So exactly. And that's actually a very good point. Exactly. It's better, it's better to have that than the other way around, I guess. So, um, so, so going now into fire and questions. So this is first thing that comes to your mind. So, uh, the first question is what's a beauty brand that you're currently loving? And, you know, obviously Fable and Main, we know yeah. that, but <laughs> what's a current beauty brand you're, you're loving? Uh, you mean for my personal use or just generally I think they're doing something amazing? Maybe both actually, personal use and then something amazing. So I would say for uh, personal use, I've become uh, a big fan of L'Occitane, uh, right. just generally the whole bath and body and uh, some of the other products. We, we sell them on our platform as well. And a brand that I'm really admiring, uh, you know, watching them build uh, is, um, 
is probably uh, you know uh, K Beauty. It's a brand. It's a. It's actually a. It's a celebrity brand in India by Katrina Kaif, who's a big Bollywood actress. Yeah. And uh, she's actually. It's a joint venture between uh, Nike and her to start the celebrity brand. And just watching the kind of time and effort and uh, that she gives to it and. and the way she's built the brand it's it's phenomenal you know for someone who is not in the industry she's got a full time job as an actress as a big celebrity i mean she uh, is incredibly committed to the quality of the products and to the r&d and to you know everything it's just it, and as a result the brand is just doing fantastic from a consumer love perspective so i i think that's something i'm really impressed by oh that's amazing and it's really good to hear that because often yeah from many lenses you know from social media to this we don't know as a consumer the involvement just to hear that um it's so it's so yeah those are the kind of brands i i, I want to champion and i think they are the future so that's great yeah to see, to hear that um what is a guilty pleasure of yours a uh, guilty pleasure i would say is probably i eat a lot of i, I love good food uh so i am uh, constantly battling uh constantly eat, eating great food and then also playing hours of tennis and swimming and running to uh, to burn them <laughs> off <laughs> it's a guilty cycle <laughs> but it have it is what it is i i feel you um what are you currently watching or reading so uh, it's uh, i'm i'm reading i i love to read and i i think it's something i learned i developed that habit when i was pretty young so i love to read Uh, right now, I'm reading a book on uh, the Afghanistan war. It's called the Afghanistan Papers. I think it's by Craig Whitlock, who's a journalist for the Washington Post. It's a fantastic book. Uh, and what am I watching? Is the exact other end of the spectrum. I'm watching. Uh, I'm kind of watching all those shows like The Ultimatum and Love Is Blind. And yeah, I think it's. Uh, it, I guess that's also a guilty pleasure. But um, For some reason, I find myself watching watching that, you know, as a way to de uh, de stress. Honestly, I I completely relate. It's like it it sometimes even stuff you can put on the background and like do some emails or you know yeah, whatever yeah. multitask. But like, yeah, I was watching Selling Sunset, Bling Empire, and then I was I watching Sunset, yeah, course, the, yeah, it's the Circle, and oh yeah, I don't know why. But I also like zoom it. I just want to get to the juicy parts. So I just like yeah. fast forward, not zoom it, fast forward it until like yeah, it's one of those just like yeah, junk, but it's it's fun. Um, what is your favorite social media platform right now? You know, I'm not very active on social media, so I would have to say it's Instagram because uh, in India, it's not. Uh, there's no TikTok in India, right? So it's really just yeah. Instagram and Facebook that are the big ones. Uh, I used to like Snapchat like ten years ago when I had, or eight nine years ago when I had just graduated from college. But now it's really just Instagram, and I find myself just doing work on Instagram. You know, just looking at looking at Fable and Main's Instagram, looking at other yeah. brand Instagrams, and just so that's kind of yeah. It's a very boring answer, but it's the reality. No, no, but and also with TikTok not being in India, it's a very good point. You know, people don't realize that yet, but it is not actually available. Hope, I mean, who knows soon? But yeah, here it's like what everyone's talking about is just TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, what do you have like a favorite quote or like a mantra that you go by? I think a favorite quote is probably uh, I don't know if you ever watched The Office, but Michael Scott uh, he says you miss a hundred you miss a hundred percent of shots you don't take. And then he attributes the quote to uh, Wayne Gretzky and then to himself, so it's hilarious. I, I just, but I, I think yeah. you know the funny thing is, I think Michael Scott is actually a fantastic uh, 
for those who for those who watch the office i think michael scott is actually a great example of of what i think is actually very good leadership uh, and yeah. even though they make him seem like a little bit of a you know bumbling character i think he's such a good manager of his people and he cares for them and there's a lot you can learn from him so i would say you i like the quote you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and the mantra i live by as i said earlier is that just do your duty you know all of us have a certain a uh, responsibility and we need you know we have responsibility uh and it's on calling and we must do that and for a lot of us that's our jobs uh, and do it and and don't expect um you know don't expect rewards in the short term or at all actually yeah. it always like given without expectation um when it comes to these duties but also yeah don't lose focus or sight of those because we can easily get distracted um i think that's very important and my last question is if you want it's going to be a double edged sword because if you want uh you know in the beauty industry right now or also want in investment banking mm-hmm. what would anshit be doing right now um i think when i was young i really wanted to be a professor of history because i love history and uh it's um you know i love reading and and studying history so yeah if i if i wasn't doing this and i was not in finance i would probably try to have gotten a job as a professor uh maybe in oxford or cambridge because i love those colleges i think it's such a beautiful such a beautiful place and so so much history and tradition at those schools so yeah that's what i would have tried to do well we should get you on some i'm just speaking now to like in like the mit thing to get some guest lectures it's never too late to do some guest lecturing so i think we should make sure you get we we'll get you on some guest lectures in oxbridge or i'll work on that that'd be really fun Um but no it's been an absolute pleasure Anjit to speak and to hear your story it's so inspiring and the way you've articulated um I mean it's in, it's I've definitely got a lot of now nuggets of gold that I can always remember my own mantras from Anjit so I really appreciate it um in the meantime where can everyone follow Nike um and the website for them to be up to date Yeah so of course the uh, my night it's uh, at my nike is the handle uh, at m y n y k w a and uh, we have an app that uh, you know we've got almost 11 million uh, users transacting users on the app so it's quite a popular app here in india so of course for those who are based in india they should download the app uh, otherwise our website is uh, accessible i think from other countries which is nike.com and then finally we have physical retail we've got about 110 retail stores in the country so if you're based in india then we would love to have you visit our stores as well so that's my little plug that uh, i'm pretty sure my pr team would be very happy that i've given a small plug to our website our instagram handle 100% well i'm going to put all the the links in the summary so people can click straight away and they need to now so go ahead and do that and uh, in the meantime anshit we'll stay in touch um this is just the beginning for you know fable and main and nike launching this year which i'm really excited and uh um yeah we'll be we'll be in touch and thank you so much for making this time and space no thank you akash appreciate it and uh, we'll catch up soon hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. 
it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable of Maine goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.